section ninety four of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds castelcicala turn we now to the state of castelcicala that lovely land which lies between the northern frontiers of the neapolitan dominions and the southern confines of the papal territory it was a glorious morning and bright and varied were the hues which the sea took from the rosy clouds as a splendid war steamer advanced rapidly over the bosom of the waters the royal standard of castelcicala floated from the main mast and upon the deck was a group of officers in magnificent uniforms gathered around a young man of tall form and noble air who was attired in deep black but upon his breast a star denoted his sovereign rank and his commanding though unaffected demeanour well became the chieftain of a mighty state that gallant steamer was the torione the pride of the royal navy of castelcicala that young man was richard markham now become the grand duke of the principality which he had rescued from slavery and amongst the aides-de-camp in attendance was his enthusiastic admirer the erring but deeply repentant charles hatfield shortly after ten o'clock on this glorious morning the steamer came within sight of montoni the capital of castelcicala and as soon as the royal standard was described by those in that city who were earnestly watching the arrival of their new monarch the artillery of the batteries and the cannon of the ships in the harbour thundered forth a salute in honour of the illustrious prince in an hour and a half the steamer swept gallantly into the fine port of montoni the yards of all the vessels were manned and the welkin rang with enthusiastic shouts of welcome richard or as we should rather call him ricardo was deeply affected by these demonstrations which he acknowledged with many graceful bows and when he landed amongst the greatest concourse of multitudes ever assembled on the quays of montoni and amidst the most joyous cries and the thunder of the artillery he retained his hat in his hand as a proof of respect to that sovereign people from whom his power emanated the royal carriages were in attendance and as he rode along the streets towards the palace the vast crowds kept pace with the vehicles cheering and waving their hats and handkerchiefs all the way the windows and balconies were filled with gentlemen and elegantly dressed ladies and flowers were thrown forth by fair hands in token of the general delight which attended upon the arrival of the warrior prince as on the day after the memorable battle of montoni which gave peace and freedom to castelcicala the bells were ringing in every tower and the cannon were still vomiting forth their thunder their fire and their smoke when the grand duke ricardo alighted at the entrance of the palace there upon the marble steps stood the joy of his heart the charming and well-beloved isabella with their two children the little prince alberto and the princess eliza so called after a valued friend in company with isabella were her mother now dowager grand duchess ricardo's sister the princess catherine and her husband prince mario 
all were dressed in deep mourning but the presence of ricardo evoked smiles as well as tears and those who wept for the loss of the late lamented grand duke found consolation and experienced a source of ineffable joy in the possession of him who had become his successor moreover the funeral of the departed one had already taken place and there was consequently no sad ceremony to be performed which might revive the bitterness of grief that evening montoni was brilliantly illuminated and the streets were thronged with multitudes who made a general holiday on the occasion of the arrival of that excellent prince to whom they owed so much and it was a glorious spectacle to behold the appearance of the people in that capital of the most prosperous country in the whole world not a mendicant was to be seen the loathsome rags and hideous emblems of poverty which meet the eye in every thoroughfare and in every corner of london had ceased to exist in montoni the industrious classes were all cheerful in looks and neat in attire and instead of the emaciated women and pale sickly children observable in such appalling numbers in the british metropolis the wives of the working men were all comely and contented and their offspring ruddy with the hues of vigorous health oh it was a blessed blessed thing to behold those gay and happy multitudes rendered thus gay and thus happy by means of good institutions honest ministers and a parliament chosen by the entire male adult population though the streets were thus thronged to excess and the houses of entertainment were crowded the utmost order sobriety and tranquillity prevailed there were no police visible because none were required every citizen whether employer or employed whether capitalist or mechanic whether gentleman or artisan whether landowner or labourer was himself a policeman as it were in his own good conduct an excellent example for from the time that liberal and enlightened institutions involving the true spirit of republicanism were applied to castelcicala the regular police force had been abolished and no necessity arose for its revival such was the aspect of the capital of castelcicala that model state where liberty fraternity and equality were acknowledged principles practically known and duly appreciated on the ensuing morning the grand duke ricardo proceeded to the chamber of deputies where the senators were also assembled on the occasion the galleries were crowded with ladies and gentlemen and the whole of the diplomatic corps were in the seats allotted to them even though all present were in deep mourning for the late sovereign the aspect of the spacious hall was far from gloomy though solemn and imposing the arrival of the new grand duke was expected with the most intense interest it was well known that not only had he suggested the principal reforms which duke alberto had applied to castelcicala but that he was even far more liberal in his political opinions than his departed father-in-law it was consequently anticipated that on the present occasion he would enunciate the line of policy which it was his intention to adopt and every one felt convinced that this would prove a day memorable in the history of castelcicala we should observe that on the platform of the chamber instead of the throne being placed for the reception of the grand duke a simple armchair was raised about three feet higher than that occupied by the president of the deputies and instead of the royal standard flowing with its graceful drapery overhead the tricolour was suspended to the wall 
These changes, it was well known, had been effected by order of the Grand Duke himself, and all present were aware that His Sovereign Highness was not the man merely to displace the symbols of royalty without having some congenial and practical object in view. At half-past ten o'clock the ministers entered and took their seats amidst loud applause from the galleries, for this was the same cabinet that ricardo had nominated five years previously during his brief regency and its policy had been such as to gain for it the enthusiastic affection of the nation and the admiration of the whole civilized world shortly after the arrival of those high functionaries the royal family appeared in the chamber amidst deafening cheers and took their seats upon the platform behind the president's desk and in a few minutes the roar of the artillery on the ramparts announced to the capital that the grand duke had quitted the palace on his way to the legislative assembly it was precisely at eleven that ricardo attended by his staff entered the hall and his presence was the signal for a more hearty renewal of the cheering while the ladies in the galleries waved their snowy handkerchiefs in unfeigned welcome but it was almost immediately noticed that the grand duke appeared not in the royal robes worn on such occasions by all his predecessors but in the uniform of a field-marshal with a black crape round his left arm in token of mourning for the late monarch he was decorated only with the castelcicalan order of knighthood and he did not even wear upon his breast the star that denoted his sovereign rank these circumstances gave a sharper edge to the keenness of curiosity and when the cheering which was loud and long died away beneath the lofty roof of the spacious hall the silence that ensued was deep and solemn as that of the tomb then the grand duke rising from the armchair which he had for a few moments occupied addressed the assembly in the following manner my lords and gentlemen you have recently experienced a great and grievous loss in the death of a wise enlightened and virtuous sovereign whose brief but glorious reign was devoted to those measures best calculated to ensure the happiness prosperity and morality of the castacicalan people the name of alberto will live in history so long as the world shall endure and his memory will be cherished in the hearts of this and all succeeding generations of the inhabitants of that clime which his wisdom and his example have so supremely blessed had i consulted my own private feelings i should have allowed some time to elapse ere i appeared before you to shadow forth that line of policy which it is my duty to recommend to your deliberations i should have craved leisure to weep over the loss of my illustrious father-in-law and meditate upon those grand lessons which his memorable reign have taught us but i feel that the welfare of an entire people is too solemnly important and too sacred a thing to be for even a moment lost sight of and that when the head of a state is called away to the tomb his successor must devote no time to a grief which cannot recall the departed but must at once take up without intermission the grand work of reform that was progressing at the period of death's arrival for it is a great and flagrant wrong for those who are entrusted with power to interpose delays in the proper exercise thereof and that man is a traitor to his country and deserves execration who dares to intimate that there is no need of haste in accomplishing a great national good
these are the motives which have induced me to appear thus before you even at so early a period that the remains of my lamented predecessor can scarcely be said to have grown cold in the tomb but i repeat that if men accept the responsibilities of power and office they must permit no considerations to retard them in the performance of their duty and the fulfilment of their high vicarious mission last evening i assembled the ministers around me and submitted to them the views which i had some time ago matured and which i proposed to put into practice so soon as the natural course of events and the will of the sovereign people should place me at the head of affairs the ministers were unanimous in adopting those views and cheerfully undertook to lay them in the usual manner before the legislative assemblies but in the meantime it behooves me briefly to detail the nature of these plans which are thus deemed suitable to the interests and in accordance with the just rights of the castasicolans in the first place i propose that the form of government shall be republican not merely in institutions but likewise in name and in order that this idea may be fully carried out it will be necessary that certain sacrifices should be made in particular quarters i now especially allude to the class denominated the nobility the existence of aristocratic titles is totally incompatible with the purity and simplicity of republicanism and the country therefore expects from the patriotism of the nobles a ready concession of these invidious distinctions distinctions which are nothing more nor less than the relics of feudal barbarism for my part i cheerfully undertake to set the example if example be indeed required to induce men to the performance of their duty with this determination i have come before you to-day not as the grand duke of castle Sicala, not as sovereign prince but as the first magistrate of the state retaining only that military rank which i have won upon the fields of victory from this moment then you may know me and i wish to be known only as general markham and this same abnegation of title i proclaim on the part of my beloved wife my revered mother-in-law and the rest of the royal family during several parts of his speech ricardo had been frequently interrupted by outbursts of enthusiastic cheering but when he reached this solemn and important climax the whole assembly rose and greeted him with the most joyous shouts the most fervent applause that ever expressed the unfeigned admiration of a generous patriotism the ladies in the galleries absolutely wept in the excitement of their feelings for never never was seen so sublime a spectacle as this of a mighty prince casting his crown his sceptre and his titles at the feet of the goddess of liberty i accept with ineffable pleasure this demonstration of approval resumed ricardo after a long pause and it gave me unspeakable delight to behold the peers themselves joining as enthusiastically as the rest in those evidences of assent when all titles are abolished save those which properly and necessarily belong to the various grades of naval and military rank the vanity attending upon the pride of birth will perish through a deserved inanition and emulation will point to the only true aristocracy namely that of virtue and of mind 
the ministers will accordingly propose to use such measures as may tend effectually to establish republican institutions in this state they will recommend the abolition of the upper house and the retention only of the chamber of deputies which must be numerically strengthened they will propose that the chief magistrate to be denominated president shall be chosen for a period of three years and liable to re-election the power of veto the privilege of making peace or declaring war and other attributes purely monarchical will not be conceded to the president but must exist in the chamber itself and instead of the effigy of the ruler upon the current coin the arms of the republic should be impressed every public act indeed must be accomplished in the name of the sovereign people the president serving the purpose of the executive agent as responsible for his own conduct as the ministers themselves are held to be for theirs these and other reforms all tending to the prompt and complete establishment of pure republican institutions will be at once submitted to your deliberations i have not the slightest doubt that the moment the news of all that is passing within these walls shall reach the ears of the other potentates of italy remonstrances will be poured in by their diplomatic agents resident in montoni and perhaps even menaces may be used i however feel convinced that no argument which may be adopted in such remonstrances can possibly blind your eyes to the beauty of freedom and the excellence of liberty and as for the menaces i need only observe that a castelcicalan army animated by a republican spirit would prove invincible these words again elicited the most tremendous cheering and after another long pause ricardo wound up his address in the following manner all of you who are here present will remember the condition of the country previously to the accession of the late grand duke poverty and its invariable handmaids squalor filth and demoralization presided over the lot of the industrious classes oppression was felt everywhere happiness existed only in the mansions of a favoured few the people were looked upon as the serfs and slaves of the rich oligarchy and the very vitals of a healthy state of society were thus corrupt and rotten but a change came over the country it was decreed that every man should have fair wages for fair work and that all able and willing to work should have work found for them in order to accomplish these aims it was necessary to set about reclaiming the waste lands in those districts where they lay and in others the owners of estates were by a just law compelled to throw certain portions of their parks and pleasure grounds into a corn cultivation and to level all their game preserves for the same purpose what have been the results of these measures labor has been abundant and wages high employment has extirpated mendicancy and squalor filth and demoralization exist no longer within the confines of castelcicala but what would i have you infer from these facts that if the people of this country have already so largely and so admirably profited by liberal institutions if the reforms hitherto accomplished have so materially enhanced the general prosperity producing abundance happiness and contentment who shall be able to divine to what point that prosperity may arrive under the pure simple and truly christian institutions of republicanism having thus spoken with the tone manner and eloquence of deep conviction general markham for so we must now denominate him bowed to the assembly 
and withdrew amidst applause which was prolonged for some minutes after he had quitted the spacious hall his wife and illustrious relatives left the platform at the same time and now behold this illustrious family returning to the palace attended by the grateful and rejoicing myriads who having assembled round the chamber had already received the intelligence of the memorable proceedings that had taken place within proceedings which in a single hour had accomplished the most effectual and yet utterly bloodless revolution ever known in any age or in any country End of section ninety four